All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be. It is episode number 14 of the Still City Insider Podcast. I'm one part of this duo, Jeremy Ritz, alongside Jim Wexel of the Still City Insider, and we are excited to be here with you this morning. It's bright and early, Jim, 5 a.m. Uh, we're recording uh, a new episode as the Steelers prepare to take on the Titans this Sunday. Jim, how you doing this early morning? Well, I'm just thankful we got episode 13 and the game that went with it out of the way. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's the reason why they lost. That's I, I completely forgot about that. Well, you know, we couldn't have done the podcast Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday because we had to recover. That, that was a long healing process there. That was pretty grim. And we probably would have not have been in the right mindset. Uh, we probably would have been pretty angry. So I think we've probably calm down a bit and we can handle the game a bit objectively um but we're gonna four, four days of meditation prayer and journaling yes and burpees too you see me at right now <laughs> but we are so glad that you're joining us here today there's only 11 days 11 shopping days until christmas make sure that you're getting all your shopping done your preparations done for the holiday season but again we're so excited that you're joining us here today we want to start by giving shout outs to two uh, of our followers, viewers who are spreading the message of the Still City Insider podcast, uh, commenting on YouTube. The first one is Core201. Core, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Thanks so much for following us and giving us the, the positive feedback. We appreciate it. And the other is Jamie Komet. Jamie, much love to you for being a supporter. Please continue to share the word of the Still City Insider podcast. And please, we encourage you to comment not only on the podcast uh, and the message board, but also on the YouTube videos. It does mean a lot to us. Uh, and I did mention there's 11 days into the holiday season. I would be remiss if we didn't bring up Jim's book, Palomalu. If you're looking for a great gift for the Steelers fan in your life, or even for yourself, Palomalu is that book. Uh, Jim, do you want to talk about Palomalu? Um, well, I tell you, I'm writing another book right now, and um, I miss working on my Palomalu book. And I like this book. Don't get me wrong, but I, I, you know how you, when you're reading a book, you get lost in it, and you know life just doesn't go so well, and you can't wait to get back into your other world, which is your other book. That's how I felt writing that book. And usually, writing is just a lot of work. You know, and then you edit and you smooth and you try to make that world right for the reader. But I got into that world when I was writing and it was so fun. And and another thing here, this is good. Uh, the Chase Claypool and the culture change because Tomlin now brings in bad people. Right. It's, you know, when Heinz Ward and Aaron Smith and all those guys left, they decided to start bringing in worse people. But my point on all that with this culture change, I, I think it's nonsense. It's that it diminishes how special the group, the Polamalu group was. You can't just replace them with new draft picks. It's why it's why it's hard to win two championships in a few years. You know, it takes a special group of people. And this chronicles that group, really. I, I think it's the... Um, the uh, the only book written about the 2000 Steelers. And so I encompassed a lot of stuff in that. So I, I think it's a great read. And the hard 
copy will be out of print after this Christmas, soon thereafter, and uh, I would get it. I think it's a collector's item. I do. And there, there were 10,000 made, and you can get it at Amazon or jimwexel.com. I can autograph them or um, sign them to you. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and I can personally attest that I've read the book. I read it actually last summer. Phenomenal. Really, that's how Jim and I um, met and how this thing all started. Uh, the other part, too, and this is just a, a secondary feature because it's not it, it's about the content of the book, but the cover is beautiful. The image is just, geez, it's amazing. Well, the cover and the pictures of his childhood. I mean, those are unique pictures. You want pictures of him with the Steelers? Click, click on your Internet and Google it. And find them all but these were childhood pictures and uh all the quality that was put into the book it's a heavy book it's a black cover like a bible with gold palomalo i think it's beautiful and thank you for saying that about the cover uh yeah our graphic designer was fantastic and she would appreciate that and uh, the entire book is quality it's quality it should sell for 40 bucks but i couldn't do that so I sold it for 33 and there's a few number 33 references at the end. And, and, uh, but now I'm seeing all kinds of books for 40, 50 bucks. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm taking, I'm not taking a loss, but I couldn't sell for 40 at the time. And now I'm, you know, I paid 50 bucks for the Jim Morrison book, you know? So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So be sure to check that out again. Great gift for the Steelers fan in your life. And, Let's jump into it. We have four games to go before the Steelers season concludes. The Steelers are at 6-6-1. Six, six and one. We're going to dig into this Minnesota Vikings game, and really it was the tell of two halves, uh, really the tell of three quarters and then the fourth quarter. Uh, but it didn't start so well. The um, run defense of the Steelers, once again, just is abysmal, abhorrent, whatever ad adjective you <laughs> want to use here. Uh, the running lanes – uh, for Dalvin Cook were massive, and they just gouged the Steelers. And then in the fourth quarter, Big Ben makes a run, and we see this team valiantly try to come back. So we're going to dig into this game by themes today instead of going offense and defense uh, and try to take a look at where things went wrong, if things are correctable, and where they go from here. And we're going to jump in with the first theme, and that's the rush defense, which really has hindered this team all season. Um, a lot of it is attributable to injuries on that defensive front. Um, some of it could be attributed to personnel and lack of moves made this offseason in terms of depth. Uh, but, Jim, looking at that Vikings game, that rush defense, what did you walk away from it thinking or saying to yourself those past four days? I, you know, I re-listened. I re-watched it last night. It took me that long to get back to the tape. I went to bed at halftime again. I forgot they came back. No. Um, Troy Aikman was just astonished. Look at these lanes. You know, there was the, the one they had Marcus Allen in, and they had Cam on the nose, and they pushed everyone overload to the left of the defense, the right of the offense, and they ran left right through this gaping hole. I mean, I know Marcus Allen blitzed. And I don't know if Marcus Allen was doing what he was supposed to do. I don't know if anybody did what they were supposed to do. But And there's also this fact. There's, there's potential scheme lapses and individual player lapses and new player lapses like Marcus Allen and injuries. That Thursday night game after playing the Ravens, 
You know, they, they've never done that. Not after the Ravens. And I remember I, I was at the Ravens game and talking to Cam and Ben, both of those guys, you brought up Thursday night's game. They rolled their eyes. I said, this is not good. They would say, we'll get back up for this. We got to win this game Thursday. But you could tell they were whipped from that Ravens game. And they really, in their mind, they knew how hard this was going to be to get this thing ready for Thursday. And wow, for that first half, you could see it. I've seen that in Thursday night games, especially from visitors. You know, I think the last time the Steelers whipped Carolina 50 to 20, yeah. it was like 50 to nothing for a while. And Carolina made their big run once they got loosened up. Yeah. You have this stuff on Thursday night, especially with the visiting teams. Apparently that one last day is critical where you have to travel to Minnesota, where they're still getting another day of sleep recovery, food, hydration, little practice. So I, I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses, but those Thursday night games are brutal. And their run defense is savagely brutal. My God. You know, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing this new book, and uh, it's about the history of the draft. And uh, I, I can do it however I want. And I'm on Ernie Stotner is going to represent the 50s for me because I have not – found much on Ernie Stotner, you know, the only other guy to have his New Jersey retired except for Joe Green. And he was uh, drafted in 1950. And I, I, I remember the Steelers had a good defense in the 50s, but I kept thinking, you know, 54 is that number I keep bumping into when I look at the record for the worst run defense ever in Steelers history. I'm not going to count 1934. That's the actual worst number. But 1954, they allowed 4.8. Per carry, and I believe the Steelers right now are up to 5.0 for the season. Yeah, it's like 5.6 for the last nine games. This, these last couple games have not been an aberration. Uh, the fact that they stopped Baltimore tells you how terrible Baltimore is right now. Mm -hmm. But uh, so I get to 1954, and I'm like, Ernie Stotner, the 50 Steelers, they were rugged. Jack Butler, Dale Dodger, well, why was that run defense so bad? Well, they had in 1950 just opened the rosters up to 40-man rosters, and teams just started two platooning, and the rich teams could do it and have depth. Well, mm -hmm. the Steelers weren't one of the rich teams, and they had no depth at all. By the end of the year, they had started strong, but at the end of the year, their defense was in, in tatters. They were hurting, mm -hmm. and I, that's how they set the record for the worst run defense. goes back to 54 when they had no money for backups. You watch these backups right now, you think the same thing. Yeah. You think, wow, the salary cap really has cost them in their ability to bring in quality depth. And they it shows. It shows. Yeah. Is there anything? So I've been racking my brain for how they can improve this uh rushing defense over these final four games, thinking of things in terms of, you know, if the offense starts faster, does it maybe um, force the offense of the opponent to try and score quickly and, and get them out of the running game? Do they do something where they re reconfigure their defensive front? Um, and I know you can't shift schematically to 4-3 at this point in the season, but can you get creative where you're putting some of your outside backers down on the defensive line? Is there anything that they could do uh, in terms of just schematics with the personnel they have or just being creative to try and change things or is this what we see what we're going to get these final four games in terms of rushing defense 
Well, you know, their nickel is a four three or two five. And with the the uh uh the fifth DB is the Mike Hilton. Supposedly, Mike Hilton is a mini linebacker. Um, and that position really hasn't been filled, but you see Arthur Mollett uh, blitzing every now and then. But um, so the four-man front has been used. They, they, they've tried a lot of things. What, what you're looking at is Mike Tomlin's defense. And he ha- has he's trying to beat the passing offenses with faster pass rushers everywhere. Um, he is, he does not bring big fat defensive tackles in. If you noticed mm-hmm. his first couple of camps, he was down on Casey Hampton big time. It, it's almost like he's a fattest. <laughs> so he's got all these little hybrids, you know, each position he wanted to get quicker and rush the passer more and cover better. And so look what he's got now. Joe Schobert left Cleveland because he wasn't uh, more uh, physical enough in the run game. And Mike Tomlin says, hey, man, he he causes fumbles and intercepts passes every time we play. So they bring in a pass coverage guy to play next to Devin Small. Nada is exactly a pass coverage guy because he's too short, but he gets to the flats and he can run around. He can he can run. And Cam, he wanted to move Cam Hayward further inside. And, you know, this is Mike Tomlin's defense. Mm-hmm. A concentration on safety play. Well, I, I don't know if I don't know who's leading the team in tackles. It has to be Minka. It's Maybe Minka. Terrell Edmonds. Yeah. And that's really not a good thing. It it shows that Minka can is rugged and can play. And Minka looked good last game. He Minka did a good game, even though some things went wrong. But uh man, uh I really think Mike needs to consider bringing in a top flight coordinator to run his defense as LeBeau did. Yeah. Yeah. I, think- I don't. I don't see it being fixed this year. But again, I temper this with the. It was a Thursday night game. It's not going to look this bad again, especially against Tennessee with ten days rest. But it is. It is statistically a horrible deep run defense. Yeah. So I mean, can they do not to go back and belabor the point? But do you think that they can at least be average? At this point, I'm not looking for them to be good or great. And I don't think uh, fans are either, but even average would well, allow yeah. them to compete. When they're, not on, when they're not on four days rest and when TJ's playing, who else is hurt? <laughs> There's really not that many people hurt. I mean, can I, mean, I say to it, but I mean, I think that's not? a I wrong mean, conclusion he, at this point. I, 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 Coach doesn't even want to hear questions about him. I can't say that I blame him. He's probably just as frustrated, more frustrated than any of us. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have to, uh, you know, they'll have more money in the cap next year. And he, he's got to realize he needs, he's more beef in the middle. And he, you know, Henry Mondo is the most beef they have. And he's a taxi squad player. He's just playing yeah. first snaps. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, they're outside linebackers. When they go four, three in that nickel and Tushka, who's built like a safety is a defensive end. You know, that's what, that's what Tomlin's theory and thinking and, and defense has brought us to. Right. Uh, hey, you look you look at that uh, defensive end for the Giants, the 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 sixth round draft pick the Steelers cut. Roche. Better. Yeah. Now he has an NFL defensive end's body. Maybe he couldn't get back in pass coverage to satisfy them as a linebacker. I'd rather have him than Tuska right now, number 48. Yeah. I don't mean to beat that kid up. I don't know who he is really, out of North Dakota, something. Mm-hmm. 
but he's built like a safety and he's playing defensive end in their nickel. I mean, come on. Yeah. A couple things uh, that, that you hit on there. Um, you mentioned Minka Fitzpatrick, who seemed to be all over the field this past weekend. Uh, I think this game for me, I know I was a bit skeptical of his play early on this year, but man, he showed a lot of heart this past weekend in terms of just want to and desire. Uh, it seemed like he was around every tackle and on some of those big runs, you could see his frustration coming through um, that players were were missing yeah. their assignments. But uh, man, he he solidified for me that the, the contract extension for him is worth it because he's a gamer. Yes, he is. He really, really is. In, in all facets, uh, we, we get on him for missing tackles only because when you're a safety and you miss a tackle, it, it's like the goalkeeper making a mistake. You know what I mean? I know all about that. No one's looking at the forward to turn the ball over. You know, So, uh, yeah, Minka's, Minka's a tremendous player, and he will be the, um, the glue. He'll be the glue when this gets turned around. Yeah, he's definitely a young guy that this team can build on uh, moving forward in terms of the roster. Then the last thing I just wanted to talk about was the inside backers, Joe Schobert, Devin Bush. It seems like Devin Bush maybe had a little bit better of a game. And I think Schobert got sat down at one point um, against the Vikings. Uh, but it was interesting. Uh, yesterday, Devin Bush was interviewed via Zoom. And he had some interesting comments. And I, I believe his comment about his knee was, if you get bit by a dog, you're, it, it's a while before you're not afraid of the dog. It's not verbatim what he said. But then he also made a comment, too, when asked about his performance. And he said that, you know, nobody on the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is performing well. So an opportunity for him to own, you know, his poor play on himself and that self-accountability, he spread it out to uh, the team. Um, did you think that Bush played better this past weekend? And then your take on his comments. Uh, what else was he going to say? Uh, the point about there's nobody up front to take on blocks for him. You know, Cam, that's it. So I, I, I can't fault him for saying nobody's playing well because nobody is playing well. Mm -hmm. um, take a little more accountability, yeah, but he's taking a lot of heat. He's a young guy. Mm -hmm. I, I was kind of looking to see if he had quit and checked out on football. You know, we had talked about that. Yeah. And I didn't see that. I don't know if passing the blame is a signifies that. I, I wasn't troubled by anything, and I expected that kind of interview to go that way. Uh, but I, I like to see he had some fight in him. I like the fact that he actually showed up for it. Yeah. After that game, and I don't think he was he was the main problem. I, I and and I, I don't, I don't want to even say Schobert was the main problem. Buddy Johnson replaced both Bush and and uh, Schobert, so there was equal sitting down. And then when Marcus Allen was in there with Buddy, you know, I, they're trying their best to make Marcus Allen a safety into a linebacker. And wow, I, I don't know how much longer this experiment can last, but that's that's not an answer there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Buddy Johnson, he was the guy that talked – Witherspoon into going and taking that stupid camera picture in the end zone, buddy. No, <laughs> no, no. I, I, I can see why how Witherspoon was talked into it. Oh, is this is what we do? It's my turn to do this, dudes. Don't do this. It's 29 7. Yeah, don't, you know, I wrote down who was in that picture. I paused my TV 
everybody thinks the Steelers defense, you know, it wasn't Joe Hayden. It wasn't Cam Hayward. It wasn't TJ Watt taking a picture after a pick down 29-7. It was Justin Lane, Arthur Mollette, Buddy Johnson, Trey Norwood, Terrell Edmonds, the only veteran, Witherspoon, of course, and Devin came late. I don't know. I think Minka, superstars. Minka came later to disperse the crowd. <laughs> it's 29-7. You know, the Motley Crew. Witherspoon's <laughs> second pick, he wanted to go do it again. If you look at that tape. Mm-hmm. And it was like, no. he did play well i'll give witherspoon credit i know the the week prior we were talking about him and you talked about uh that play on um the tight end there for baltimore but he had another good week maybe he's a piece they could build around i know he's uh not signed after this year but potentially they could look at keeping him on the roster uh yeah okay um any you know justin lane is not doing it uh covering uh number 18 jefferson um, it was difficult, and Witherspoon can't across the field with the moves. It was uh, it, he, he can't. He, he's not that corner. Maybe a piece, uh, but I'm not going to get carried away. Uh, but Justin Lane is not looking like a ball player. Yeah. Um, so yep. that's. I mean, he's better than Justin Lane. Let's go there. And uh, James Pierre's not even playing anymore. Um, yeah. So. Yep. All right, shifting gears, uh, I'm going to combine these next two themes, uh, theme two and theme three here. It sounds like uh, Dr. Seuss, uh, the poor pass protection, and then Big Ben's fourth quarter play. We saw Ben get beat up and just smashed worse than he's been uh, hammered all season. But then miraculously, really the last two minutes of the third quarter and that entire fourth quarter, he was just golden magic. I don't even know how to describe it. Um but your assessment of that offensive line and the pass protect protection and then Ben's play fourth quarter. And then the bigger question here, um, does this change anything for Ben next season? I don't think so, but he's throwing a lot better than he did last season. Mm-hmm. You know, that throw to Fryermuth in the end zone at the end. I mean, yes. come on. I don't Beautiful. think Brady makes that show, makes that throw. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Ah, uh, and you know, he, he trusts his, his jump ball guys and his jump ball guys came through and James Washington and, and Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, he goes up and grabs a ball with mm-hmm. people all over him too. And Fryermuth, uh, yeah, there were some beautiful passes and, uh, the protection, I mean, you know, he walked off the field one time, snapped at Tomlin. I can't wait to find out what that was. But I mean, really, you know, get something out there. You know, that Trey Turner allowed uh, the defensive tackle in front of him to just go, you know, unimpeded, a defensive tackle. I could see if it was a blitzer, somebody that confused him. That offensive line is confused. I don't know if it's the coach. I don't know. The the offensive line experts I I know seem to think that the coach is is very poor. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I threw it out there. I know I'm responsible for for saying that, but they don't like to, when they hire an assistant coach, they like to see him fulfill their two-year contract. I don't know. I I don't, you would hate to see them to hold on to somebody that's not a good coach just to fulfill a two-year contract. Yeah. So I don't know if that will happen. I I don't know how much to blame Clem has to do with it. Adrian Clem, 
the more experienced line coach is his assistant. I don't know what will happen with that, but and I tell you, Minnesota was loud. And again, Thursday night, not Thursday enough night. practice. So there's there's some built-in excuses, but some of the some of that play at the end it was it was done well. That I mean, Najee picked up the blitz on the fire move play. Watch if you watch that play again. Watch Najee pick up the middle blitzer. Mm-hmm. Oh, did he fight his rear end off? Um, so it 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 got settled down by the end. Mm-hmm. But man, and Le Glue, Le I think is another piece. I, I think I don't know that he's going to be a starter, but I think you found a player here. And for whatever reason, he was out for a series. And Rashad um, Coward, Coward, Shot, yeah. he let he let uh, somebody come in easily <laughs> and got been crushed on a third down, third and ten play, and he just got flattened. And Coward, I don't even know if he got out of his stance. Uh, wow, what is he doing in there? Maybe Leglue was hurt. Maybe mm-hmm. they wanted to teach him something. Maybe they wanted to get Coward a series. I don't know. Yeah, but man. That was grim. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with the, the pass protection, um, again, I, just, I I haven't seen Ben get beat up that bad. It's probably been a few years. But can they do – going back to the question I asked about the rush defense, is it time to make some adjustments? And I know I talked about Zach Banner kicking into right tackle, moving Chooks over to the left side because junior there on the left side, Dan Moore, um, didn't – he didn't have a great game, but again, nobody really had a great game. And then Kendrick Green, I mean, how many more times is this guy going to get blown into the backfield, into the snap uh, for a handoff before he gets sat down? So I know Tomlin no, said, I, I'm, "I'm sticking with Kendrick Green and Moore. I definitely mm-hmm. stick with Moore." Mm-hmm. There was there were some moments I thought Moore looked really good. Mm-hmm. So what would there be any any time where you would consider making an adjustment and? just trying to change the lineup up to see if that has any type of spark for the offense, or do you feel like you just ride with these guys no matter what through the end of the season? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I'll defer to them on banner because nobody's really seen him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's the only p- possible change. The general's coming back this week. I like, Le Glue. I like Le Glue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, uh, you want to change banner for Chooks? I would have no problem if you have solid reasoning as a coach. Otherwise, yeah. I see no moves to be made. I don't um, – hey, maybe Leglue's a center. I don't know. But I, I'm not going to mess with Kendrick Green either. And it, it's not every time he gets blown back. But when he does get blown back, it it it, it pops on tape. So yeah. I understand your frustration with him. But I, I'm, I'm sticking with him. Mm-hmm. They've gone through this, all this with him. Might as well ride it out. Yeah. Now, do you think that that's? I mean, we have we've seen poor pass protection, not to this level. Can they clean it up a bit, or do you again? Do you go back to the and not that it's an excuse, but the Thursday night, the quick turnaround? Do you think it was just a matter of not being prepared for the uh, the blitzes that the defense was thrown at him? Or that's a good point. Zimmer's a good defensive coordinator, and he's their head coach. Um, and it was indoors. You know, I don't. I, I, you'd have to look through the the schedule to see when Kendrick Green last played in an opposing indoor stadium. And you know, I'm giving them excuses, but uh, that had a lot to do with him not getting the ball when Ben wanted it. I mean, Ben's back there stomping his feet, thought he was going to go up and kick him right in the rear end. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. You know, tweaks. We'd have to bring in. We'd have to bring Wolfley in for this. We got to get Wolfley for this podcast to talk O line. Maybe maybe that'll be our first post off season uh, podcast. With oh, Wolfley. that'd be awesome. Talk offensive line. Yeah. He get up at five a.m. <laughs> I'm not going to put it past him, but I don't think we have to get up at five a.m. in the in the off season, do we? Can't we do these on Saturdays? <laughs> uh, we could. We can shift to a Saturday schedule. Yeah, I go to my uh, my real job around seven, so that's why why we're up so early here. Um, just going back to Big Ben uh, again. He's he's been on fire. Um, and again, just to reference that pass there at the end, and Pat Freyer move, not Freyer moves. I don't want to fault him at all because he played uh, a solid game uh, and he gave the Steelers a chance and he didn't hold on to it. I'm sure that'll drive him moving forward. But going back to what I said earlier, you know, and all this talk about bringing in a free agent quarterback this offseason, I think this game for me solidified that maybe I've been a little harsh in my criticism of Roethlisberger last year and this year. And that maybe it really does fall on that, on that offensive line. And would it make sense? And I know that whatever it was leaked to the media that Ben is going to retire after the season. But does the organization have a conversation with Ben? Hey, if you want to come back, the door's open. Then you could draft a guy, um, maybe let him grow behind Roethlisberger for a year because he's still showing he can play. You invest in the offensive line. Um, and then you maybe take another swing at, swing at it. What are your thoughts on that? Or do you think that that ship has sailed? Yeah, well, first of all, it's up to Ben. And I don't think he wants to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, what was the question? Is Ben coming back? I mean, would he consider, yeah, would he consider coming back just based on his play here recently if they retooled the offensive line? You know, he's taken a horrific beating his whole life. This isn't. Getting beat up like he did the other day isn't new. You know, you had the Arians, even when they had a decent line, the Arians' uh, philosophy got him beat up. And then there were the Ravens, the real Ravens. You know, we're first series, Haloti punch, Haloti punch, Haloti not a punch as you right in the nose and breaks your nose on the first series and you're, you're swimming in blood the entire game. That was a savage group. And he went through that. And the 2008 team had a horrific offensive line got beat up by the Eagles. If you remember that, he's probably still mm-hmm. hurt from that. Oh yeah. He, he's taken a beating his entire career. He looks too slow. I know that the coordinator wants a uh, mobile quarterback in his, in his uh, style of play. I don't, I, there would have to be a lot of talk. Ben would have to be excited. And I don't even think he wants to let alone whether he's excited. Cause it's going to take a lot of work. And um, I would like to see a new start myself. But, I mean, he he looks – he's throwing great. He's yeah. throwing great. Yeah. He even ran for a first down, fourth and four. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he – he sure wouldn't want to do this year all over again with these new with these new offensive linemen. That offensive line is going to be much better next year. Yeah. So that, that could be a chip in your bargaining favor if you want him back. Um, but – you know, there are other things that are going to get better, too. Friermuth's going to be a much better blocker. The fringe stuff. You know, Najee missed some blocks this year where uh, he won't. You, you can see he has the skill and the want to, but he just needed the experience. So they've got now experience at tight end and, and uh, running back. So things like that. I have a feeling they're going to get one pillar on their offensive line to build around. 
Uh, and these other guys now are not going to be rookies. So, you know, Dan Moore and Kendrick Green and LeGlue and Dotson, those guys are going to be better versed. And they'll bring along that pillar until the pillar, if it's a first-round pick, if it's a DeCastro type at right guard, he'll need some veterans around him, but he'll eventually be the guy. Mm-hmm. So there's there, there's there are some things to look forward to, and maybe Ben will be interested in that, but – I'm not going to go out of my way to talk a 40 year old quarterback into coming back for yeah. one year. I'm really not. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be something interesting to monitor here over these final four games. Hopefully, it's not the final four games. And speaking of those four games, Jim, where do they go from here? I know we've been, we talk every week about the path forward and can this team make the postseason, but you have two home games left. You got the Titans this weekend, then at the Chiefs the day after Christmas. Then it's the Browns on Monday night in Pittsburgh, which potentially could be Roethlisberger's final game against a, a team he has owned his entire career. And then they close out at Baltimore, um, and there's some uh, uncertainty surrounding Lamar Jackson and his ankle. So how do you see uh, the path forward playing out? Um, what do you think over these next four games in terms of their chances for the postseason? Yeah, they still have chances. Um I just got my daughter, don't tell anyone, I just got my daughter Christmas uh, present to, to the Browns game. Uh, it's Monday night, uh, her uh, her, her boyfriend got him tickets. Awesome. So, yeah, I might not be able to put this one up on Facebook, but. <laughs> <laughs> we won't publish it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's one game at a time, and it's 10 days off. I, you're going to see a completely different team, plus the embarrassment. I expect a change or two and some sharp criticism both ways. You know, the players are going to want better coaching and the coaching is going to want better players. And I think it'll, I, I think they have a chance to beat Tennessee mm-hmm. and be at home 10 days rest. So is Derek Henry playing? I haven't looked He's, that far. He is not playing. So, I mean, you know, if, if, if uh, what's his name, the uh, running back for Minnesota could gain 400 yards, Henry, and if the game was closer, that kid would have had 300 yard game. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Derrick Henry's even better and bigger. You know, can you see all these little line, little linebackers? You know, TJ will be back. So I, I think they can beat Tennessee and then they could be seven, six, and one. And then we take a look around, see which way the wind blows. Maybe Kansas City has a problem or, you know, Kansas City's going to be tough to beat. They're going to be tough. The other teams, Cleveland's a Monday night game at home. Winnable. Win, sure. Yeah. And then you go to Baltimore, who, you know, they look terrible. I would assume, I would make Baltimore the favorite just because these two teams have to split. And I I was thinking of this, Jim, and I wanted to mention this. How fitting is this? Is that potentially Roethlisberger's career began against the Ravens whenever Maddox got knocked out? His final game potentially could be against the Ravens to so talk about a career coming full circle. Now, hopefully that's not his final game, but I thought that's a, a unique storyline to kind of put the cap on his tail. And maybe Haloti Nada and Bart Scott and those guys can come and take their free punches at him one more time. <laughs> and, you know, these, these Ravens right now, they're, they're as nasty, maybe not as talented as that bunch, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, those, some of those games were ugly, but yeah. Yep. They were, uh, they were something that's for sure. All right. And before we hit the, uh, terrible three here, um, I've been profiling quarterbacks for the, uh, 2022 draft and I didn't put this in the agenda, but I know we talked about Kenny Pickett 
to just briefly, just to give an overview of, of Pickett, he didn't win the Heisman. The quarterback out of Alabama won, I believe his name is Bryce Young. Um, that guy put up some uh, great numbers. But Kenny Pickett, 6'2", 225, runs an estimated 4.77, 40-yard dash. He's a mobile guy who can move around in the pocket. He's not a runner like a Malik Willis or a Desmond Ritter, but he can definitely you know, buy some time to open up a play down the field. And if you watch that ACC championship game against Wake Forest, he introduced a new play called the fake quarterback slide, which resulted in, a, I believe, a 58-yard touchdown run. And then that play was banned in the NCAA. So uh, it's the Kenny Pickett rule. You can't fake a slide anymore. <clears throat> so he does have mobility. He can't move around in the pocket. He's more of a pure pocket passer. He's not going to give you anything in terms of uh, a rushing attack. In terms of his passing game, he's got a good but not elite arm. Uh, he has the ability to go through his progressions on the field. That's one of the things that's really separated him this year in terms of his previous years is he's he can scan the field and doesn't just lock on to his first receiver. Um, he could fit the ball in the tight windows. One of the uh, criticisms of him is that you know prior to this year, he hasn't really put up a big statistical season. So some of the critics are asking why, why the law in production uh, junior year and earlier and why the explosion in production this year uh, questions about his hands, his hands, hand size, they're, they're smaller than what's uh, desired in a prototypical quarterback. Um, but Kenny Pickett, the main thing about him is he's a gamer. He's got the intangibles. He's a leader. Um, <laughs> and I know he'd be a guy that, I would, uh, and maybe I'm in love with the narrative and the the whole folklore around him, uh, but a later first-round pick, um, I wouldn't be disappointed or upset if the Steelers went that direction. So there you have it, Kenny Pickett. We're going to talk more about him as the year goes on, um, but definitely an exciting player in college football. Well, I have been saying, I probably have said it on this podcast to you, that I think he's a late second-round guy. And my opinion has moved up and I would consider him in the first round. Yes. Yeah. I would consider him. I don't know that I'd consider him top 15. If, if the Steelers finish up there, which I don't think they are, but I, I would consider him in the first round. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I worry about his size. I don't believe he's six, two, um, but he, you know, he could be six, one and, and his hands, if they're as small as people are saying that could be a problem holding NFL yeah. footballs. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, I do believe that he did not fake on that uh, uh, on that run play. I believe he just changed his mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I do. I, I he was going to go down. You know, I I like his savvy on the run, but I don't think he's that plotting. Uh, what's what's the word? Manipulative is not the right word. Uh, I don't think he's that calculating. Duplicitous. Duplicitous is a good one. No wonder you're a principal. I don't yeah, know. I that English, English major uh, first. Calculating. I, I don't think he calculated that. I think it, it was on the run. I think mm -hmm. he was going to go down and then well, well, why go down? He yeah. just kept going. Because he could have, <laughs> he could have, he could have uh, cut his ACL the way, you know, it was, it was a little shake there that, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you got me interested. Yeah, I really like how he always uh, – I forget after the one game he said he's going to – he wanted a cold one. 
So props to him for that. seems like All right, well, I'm on Bobby Lane. I'm on Bobby Lane in the fifties too. <laughs> Let's not go that far. There's already, we got Chase Claypool problems as it is. So I don't, Hey, and speaking of Chase Claypool, perfect time to start the terrible three. So are you ready? Call a segue. Yeah. All right. Yes. Perfect. (laughs) I'm a pro. All right. You are. (laughs) I'm the amateur here. All right. So Chase Claypool, um, I mean, gets the first down with barely any seconds left on the clock. Points for a first down and celebration. Will he ever mature or is he just clueless? You know, you expect this out of wide receivers. Let's just start there, right? And and I go back to my uh, culture change. This isn't so much a culture change. It's the position. It's always been the position. Um, he really makes some great, great plays. Yeah. Before his fourth down idiocy, where he pointed for the first down and wasted, wasted a play. They had one more. They would have had one more play to run in that game. Uh, after Friermuth drop, uh, drop, <laughs> but he made a great, great catch on what was supposed to be a pass interference. I can't believe he held on to that ball. Yeah. He fought through the pass interference. You know, there are so many people that quit when they're interfered with and look to the ref instead of trying to catch the ball and, f- you know, forget about he, he didn't look to the ref. He caught the ball and yeah. he didn't, he didn't gloat, no histrionics on what was just a great, great catch. He can run after catch, seems to be tough. And of course, you know, they were asked, have you worked on this in training camp? Do you know about the clock? I mean, they do the two-minute drill just about every other day at training camp. Yes, and they stop and they holler at these guys, and nobody's doing that during practice. Mm-hmm. You know about hurry and get back to the huddle, race that ball in. They all know about that. They do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, the the other uh, so that was a problem. Yes, and I think he'll learn from that. This, this blowback is intense. It's not nearly the blowback in the off season when he was caught on video kicking somebody who was beaten up, kicking them in the head as he left. <laughs> it was an ugly brawl. Jesus. And you think, wow, he'll learn from that. He's he's twenty two, twenty three. Ooh, there wasn't that much blowback. This is getting a lot of blowback. He has no choice but to learn. But I tell you what, you know, he had a, a rough opening start where he had that that unnecessary roughness penalty. He tried to stick his finger in the guy's ear, something. But the guy started that. The guy, I don't know if you noticed, they, they never showed the very beginning on the replay where the guy was pawing at the ball after the play was blown way dead out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And so that's what got the finger in the ear. And then the other the guy hit back right in front of the ref. Uh, so that was a bad play. And then two plays later on third and one, he blows a block that cost them. They lost yardage on the run. Mm-hmm. It was his fault. And then he got yanked for a little bit. And then they showed him on the sideline. They showed Tomlin uh, giving some kind of instruction or chewing them out uh, to uh, the receiver right next to Claypool. Ray Ray McLeod was next to Claypool, and there was another receiver, uh, Deontay Johnson. And Deontay Johnson was looking straight at Tomlin, and McLeod was looking up every now and then. He was fixing his shoes. Claypool had his uh, uh, legs crossed and looking at the scoreboard, just not paying attention to the coach, head coach at all. That I didn't like. I don't like that. And I don't even know what was going on, but young receiver got to be listening to coach when they're down 29 nothing. 
Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah, well, Uge, even McLeod, who wasn't even looked like part of the conversation, kept looking up. And McLeod's turning into a ball player. Yeah. He has played well. Yeah. He has played well. So I guess that's a, a lot sacrifice. A lot more confidence. Yeah. Yep. Sacrifice we have to we have to accept Claypool's tomfoolery for uh Ray Ray's <laughs> progression, I guess. I don't know what to say about Claypool, but you know, they ran Plexico out of here, and I was one of the guys that ran him out. Uh they have Antoine Randowell. Mm-hmm. And it really, Ben has really never replaced him until Claypool with that tall receiver that Ben likes so much, the tall receiver deep. Mm-hmm. When I think of Plexico, I think of the uh, Jacksonville game as rookie year where he spiked the ball. Spiking a live ball. Yeah, in celebration. Same kind of thing. Idiocy. But, you know, Plex came back later, and really, he wasn't a bad guy. Yeah. He wasn't an idiot. I mean, though, some things happened to him. I mean, I, he got arrested for I mean, he had got He shot himself with a gun that was strapped to his underwear. I don't Can't make this stuff up. That was in New York. So I don't know the full details, but he, he was in jail for a year, I think, or something. My so gosh. He's done, he's done some pretty idiotic things, but Ben always wanted him back and they tried to get him back and he was just mm-hmm. over the hill by then. Yeah. All right. Question two, speaking of Ben. So we, we talked about Ben's play here um, and then potentially how this could impact 2022. Um, putting you on the spot. Do you bring him back? Yes or no? I don't want to diminish how well he's playing right now, but no, no. All right. It's, to the point, concise. It's time. Um, we, well, we talked about it already. And, you know, Ben's the guy that I doubt wants to come back. He gave mm-hmm. no indication to any of us local reporters uh, throughout the first half of the season that he wanted to come back. He mm-hmm. never – he never corrected any reporters, uh, any of us who just assumed that this was his last year. He never corrected. And he loves to correct us. Yeah. You know, and um, and then the national report, I, I don't see him coming back. Though. Yeah. All right. And then our final one for the terrible three. So it's Bud Dupree's homecoming this weekend as the Steelers get ready to take on the Titans. Um, the Titans signed him to a massive contract this past offseason. He was paired with, with TJ. They were buddies in the pass rush. So there will be somewhat of a unspoken competition this weekend. And Bud hasn't had the best of seasons. Who has more sacks this weekend? Is it Bud or is it TJ? TJ's fighting an injury. Is Bud even active? I know he was on IR for a while. Oh, well, then that will make it a moot point. (laughs) Well, maybe TJ won't get any sacks either (laughs) if his groin's not fixed. So I I, got to go with TJ. Any question about sacks relating to TJ, I'll pick TJ. All right. Well, hopefully TJ has a big game. Hopefully he's healthy, and hopefully these Steelers can get back on some type of track and get a a stretch going of some wins and make a push into the postseason. It all starts Sunday, 1 o'clock, Tennessee Titans. This is why you watch the game. This is exciting. Steelers fans, they still have a chance not just to sneak in as a wild card, but to make it in as the AFC North champion if the things uh, if things fall the right way. But Jim, always great talking Steelers football with you. Um, listeners, viewers, thank you so much for supporting the Still City Insider podcast. Please share with your family and friends. It does mean uh, a lot to us. We want to grow this. We're not going anywhere. We're going to make this the number one Steelers podcast. It might take us some time but we will get there and it'll be because of your support. You can check out Jim's work at the Still City Insider. 
and give him a follow on Twitter at Jim Wexel. You can check out my work at thestillstudy.com and give me a follow at Still Study. Uh, and we will see you back here for episode 15 next week on Tuesday, following what hopefully is a win against the Tennessee Titans. Jim, I hope you have a great week. Well, you too, Jeremy. Uh, you can call us uh, Kendrick Green and Dan Moore. I mean, we're going to build this thing. It's going to be there. Don't go nowhere because we're going to be back. There we go. And then maybe we'll turn into uh, Marquise Pouncey and Villanueva. <laughs> All right, man. I'll see you, Jeremy. All right. See you, Jim. Take care.